Welcome to a special episode of Missionary Mindset. This week, we're talking to Jeff and Melva Clark. Jeff and Melva were missionaries to Taiwan and were really influential in helping continue a Christmas, Easter, and summer programs with public schools in Taipei. Let's learn how they partnered with local schools and churches to share the gospel in a very public setting. Could you introduce yourselves? I mean, I already know who you are, but would you mind introducing yourselves and tell us a little bit about your background? Well, we're Jeff and Melba Clark. Uh, as you can tell from our accents, we grew up in Tennessee. I grew up in Tennessee. Melba grew up in Mississippi. We met, um, Melba was in college and I was in seminary. We were on a mission trip uh, to New Orleans. Um, when we got to seminary, we, uh, we got married in 1986, and our plan was to go overseas uh, immediately. But due to a family issue, uh, we couldn't go overseas at that time. So we spent the next 21 years serving in the United States. Uh, the first thing we did, we did church starting. This is back in the 80s, before church starting was very popular. And we spent the first uh, 11 years doing uh, church starts in three different states. Then church starting became very popular, and we because of our experience, they asked us to oversee church starting for a state convention. And then we moved to another state where we oversaw church starting and we helped existing small rural churches. So for the first 21 years of our marriage, it was mostly about doing church starting. We served in six different states. Um, uh, I said primarily doing church starting and evangelism. But in 2007, we had this unique opportunity our girls were the right age. They weren't too old. And our mission organization said, you can go. So we, we went overseas to a large uh, university and studied Chinese, which is really difficult to try to learn Chinese. That's a little too old to be trying to learn. Um, then uh, in 2008, we moved to Taiwan and we served there for 11 years. I served as a research associate. I kept up with all the people groups, uh, the Chinese, Japanese, Korean, and Mongolian people groups, and maintained uh, our database and our research on all those. And Melva served as a field missionary, and, uh, and that's the basis of this call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's really interesting. I, I didn't know you guys had just moved here in 2008. Y'all are here for quite a little while, I guess. Yeah. Yes. Melva, I guess this would be more of a question for you. How was your ministry? Kind of what did you do? Well, when we first arrived, um, the girls were still with us. Um, they were older teenagers, and I had homeschooled them from birth almost. So, um, but by that time, you know, they could handle a good bit of their high school homeschooling. A lot of it was online. So I had a lot of free time. I say I was a free agent. <laughs> um, we were assigned to all of East Asia because of Jeff's job, wow. but we lived in Taipei. And so I wanted to learn all I could and serve as much as I could to local people because that's where we live. So even though we had all of that background from the United States, doing things that you've done for 20 years in the U.S. 
and then trying to do them in a different culture with <laughs> a different language, you are still a newbie. Yeah. How hard can it be, right? Yeah, that's yeah. what Jeff said. How hard can it be? It's church planting. We have all of this experience. Well, when you're in a different culture and they do it a different way and they have a different mindset and uh, you have to do it in a different language, you know, it, it can be really hard. I'll just tell you. <laughs> barriers. Right. Oh, yeah. Right. So I decided at that time in Taiwan, there were a lot of uh, missionaries with our organization who had been there a long time. Uh, there were three women that I attached myself to. Two of them were single, one married, but they had been in Taiwan, one of them almost 30 years, another 15, another 10. You know, they were a long time. They knew how to oh, wow. do it. Yeah. So I just asked them for the first year at least, Anytime you're doing ministry, would you just send me a text and I will come to you and watch and help and learn and just follow you around. So that's, that's, I remember that's, that's just how I did it. And so um, they were doing a variety of things. They were doing student work on university campuses. They were doing, uh, one was doing uh, ministry with factory workers they were doing local church things. And then um, two of them especially were going into public schools at mostly holiday times. Um, and at that time, it was a little more on the just sharing culture. Like, what is a Christmas tree? What is a Christmas wreath? What is a Christmas card? What is a Christmas... <laughs> Carol, but you know, everything of yeah. course went to that we celebrate this because of the birth of Christ. But it was a little bit um, more cultural, I would say cultural activities, you know, in English. Okay. We go into English classes and do that. So honestly, I just really, I was like a puppy with a sponge. <laughs> I wanted to watch them and listen to them and learn everything that they had gleaned over many years of, of work quickly. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to do it right. And I wanted, and I wanted to get, you know, like Jeff said, we didn't get to come overseas until we were in our forties and we had wanted to for all of those 20 years. So you know, you got to move quickly. You don't know how much time you have. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's the perfect attitude, though, of someone who's just coming to the mission field to look yes. for someone who's been on the mission field for a long time, who has just this wealth of information and knowledge, and then to attach themselves to them and just kind of see how they do things. Right. Well, I feel very blessed to have had those women because as I stayed there longer, the first woman who had been there 30 plus years, you know, she retired, went back to America. Um, the second woman who was married, she and her husband chose to do a logistics job in another East Asian country. And then finally, um, in 2019, mm -hmm. uh, the final single lady <laughs> that I followed and worked with the most um, she also retired to go home to take care of aging parents. Mm. So 
I just felt blessed to have that opportunity because, you know, they were, they were gone, you know, they were all leaving me. So I had to learn what they were doing quickly. (laughs) So the amazing thing is they learned from somebody before them. Absolutely. You know, uh, because these ladies, you know, the first one, she came in the seventies. Yeah. You know, but we'd already had missionaries there for 20 years. Yes. Uh, uh, serving. So she learned it, it's building upon building upon building. So as we're talking, what we're talking about today isn't something we came up with. No. It's something, it's just a torch or a baton that was passed to us, that was passed to these ladies, you know, now 30 years ago. Yeah. Well, I followed them around, and as years passed, of course, all of their contacts, their partners, their Taiwanese brothers and sisters started to know me too. Yeah. You know, so so as these people began to leave the island, those brothers and sisters, those churches, those schools then started to relate to me mm-hmm. yeah. and ask me for the the help or the resourcing the you, partnership you became the old white haired lady i became the old white haired lady <laughs> that they had worked with previously <laughs> yeah. that's funny yeah I, I mean a lot of my contacts have been passed off from other people who are you know who came here before me and so that's how i mean that's how a lot of my ministry has sprung out from those contacts i think we knew I don't know that every missionary when they land thinks about an exit strategy. You know, usually when you land, you're young and you're not even thinking about growing old period. (laughs) And you're not thinking about exiting. Most of us, every state we've lived in and planted a church, we thought we'd be there forever. I mean, we went there with a plan. Yeah. You know, and so, um, But I do think the experience in America, because we had done those three, especially the three church plants, that's like giving birth to a child. You're zero to one church planner. You know, everybody in there, everybody knows you, you know, and I think we learned from those times and hopefully got better on how to exit, how to develop the leadership that would be needed to continue the work when you're not there. Yeah. So when we got to Taiwan, that was an, a little bit of a natural for us that might not be for every brand new missionary. You know, I mean, we were 45. We knew we can't stay here forever. <laughs> and, and we'd already had that experience of exiting. So you yeah. wanted to prep the people that you're yeah. working with, your partners, for when you're not there, which we had no idea because right now we are on U.S. soil. And we are not there. <laughs> so it's a really good plan, even though I don't know that we thought of it while it was happening. I definitely understand that just as I've been working with churches and trying to develop the leaders within those churches to take over, you know, college ministry on campuses so that because well, I can't I go to every church. Yeah, some missionaries are called to one specific, like one specific church. Some pastors are called to one yeah. specific church and they can spend 35, 40 years there. Yeah. You know, so yeah. that's a different ministry than if you want to 
uh, move out to different areas, you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, our, our, our second church start, which was 30 years ago now, over 30 years ago, uh, we went back a couple of years ago, and there was only one person left in the whole building who knew who I was. So when I walked in the building, everybody's inviting me and welcoming me and said, we're glad to have you. Did you move in the neighborhood? <laughs> uh, How we built this building. <laughs> see that sheetrock? I'm that sheetrock. I've got blood in these walls here from my hands, you know. Uh, but no, you just walk in, and no, we're visiting today, and. And it one, was one lady got up. Oh, Jeff Clark, you know. And uh, <laughs> but but the the thing is, um, what the uh, Count Zinzendorf's thing about preach the gospel, die and be forgotten. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's it's not about who we are. Right. Um, and like I said we we had a time where we built upon these ladies who will eventually be forgotten, forgotten too. Yeah. <laughs> and the ones who they learn from we don't even know, know their names <laughs> you know so but that's that's the nature of ministry yeah mm-hmm. that's very true so i know you guys helped continue that christmas ministry um are there other holidays that yes. you helped do in, in that yes so <laughs> So the ministry has become um, it's it's more it's it was it was more then they were doing a, a lot of various holidays going into the schools. Today it is mostly Christmas, Easter, and summertime or winter break. You know, when the kids are on a long break. Okay. Um, yeah. So there's there's a. Um, We'll see if I can try to explain it. First of all, it's definitely a partnership. Um, we go in as the English speakers into usually an English classroom. It's a teacher that's an English teacher and that has invited us. Um, it can be elementary, junior high, high school, or university. We do them all. Um, and in that first time that we are in a classroom uh, we start with Christmas why do we have Christmas it's a beautiful thing in Chinese Shangdanjia is holy birth holiday but so many of the students do not know who was born they don't know who is the holy birth I was shocked when I first got to Taiwan and in the school Every child learns a song, we wish you a Merry Christmas, in English. I mean, everybody knows that song. But most students don't know Christmas has the word Christ inside it. (laughs) They don't know that the holiday, the holy baby's name is Jesus Christ. Hmm. It, It just hasn't been connected for them. The dots are not connected. So we go in at Christmas and we start with, you know, we're going to, of course, talk about the holiday Christmas. But why? Why was the holy baby born? Why does two, why do two billion people in the world celebrate the birth of this child? Yeah. Yeah. So you have to go back to the beginning of the story that God created the world. He created people. 
He gave us the choice to obey or disobey him. We chose to disobey, which broke our relationship with our eternal father. So how can we restore that broken relationship? Well, God said, A, a, the consequences of sin was death. Someone or something in the Old Testament, a lamb, but someone or something had to die. So he sent his son at Christmas with a purpose. The purpose the baby was born was that he would grow up and die to pay the price for us to restore our relationship. So in telling the Christmas story, we start at the beginning, really, of creation. And at Christmas time in that classroom, let's say we're in a school with seventh graders and we're in a seventh grade class, we would tell from creation to the birth of Christ. Then at Easter time, we go back into that same classroom, the same students. So it's a twofer, the teachers <laughs> know two times because we want to continue the story. Yeah. We want them to hear the rest of the story, the, the life of Jesus the death and the resurrection of Jesus and the coming again of Jesus. Yeah. So the Easter. So we, we tell it because it's in an English classroom. We have native English speakers speaking the story. Now, up until COVID, (laughs) those speakers had been USA volunteers who would come over for a usually a 10 day block of time. They'll come on a weekend. They'll do five days in the school, go home on a weekend. Does that make sense? Some of them now love it so much. They stay a month. Depends on you if you're retired or, you know, you have that opportunity. Um, But when COVID hit right now, USA tourists, volunteers cannot get into the country. So we are having to have on the ground field missionaries doing that, which is not a bad thing. That's great, too. But it does put extra pressure on them because they have other work and other lives and they have children that they have to go home (laughs) to every night. You know, when you're on a trip to Taiwan for 10 days, you know, bring your kids or you just go out and shop and enjoy at night. But these people have to actually go home and help their kids with homework. Continue doing other work. <laughs> yes, and answer emails and all those texts they kept yeah. coming in all day. Yeah, so it it's really this twenty twenty and twenty twenty one. We haven't had any outside helpers, so it's yeah. been a lot of stress on those who are carrying, you know, the load because people hear about it. You know, when I was doing, I had all those partners from those three women who I had initially helped that all the people they were schools they were related to churches you know even at your church there's probably somebody that's a teacher there's definitely people who are students and word just gets around oh these Americans will come and do a special English presentation for you at a holiday and so they just start asking and it 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 has just multiplied you know and I think actually because we've got all these field missionaries doing it right now I mean we've probably got 30 35 people involved they are all like you they're all in a local Chinese church so now what's going to happen 
Uh, you know, it could, <laughs> yeah, which is a great thing. I mean, that's yeah. what you would want. And, and yeah. you have a criteria for for schools. You have to have a yes. So that's the other part of the of the partnership. So the partnership is definitely the school itself asking. Usually there's a teacher that's the head of the English department or someone. There's a lead person. We call them a door opener. There's somebody that opens the door. There are the USA volunteers or even now because we're having to recruit. Some are just um, native English speakers who are Christians who live inside Taiwan. They're not even they're not full time missionaries. They just live in Taiwan and they're willing to do this, you know. And then um, every presentation is translated. So they are seeing the English words either on a, uh, we have vocabulary cards on a on a board or Chinese words, English and Chinese, they're bilingual. And they're hearing the English presentation, but everything that's presented is being translated into Chinese. Because if you go into a first grade classroom, yeah. <laughs> their, their English level is, you know, you go into some 12th grade classrooms and there will be some in the class whose English level is still not as good as others. Yeah. And we do want them to understand what's being said. Yeah. So the translators are native Taiwan brothers and sisters who give their time, you know, to do it. So it's a, it's really a beautiful partnership. It gives USA volunteers a way to, um, uh, tell the story in English because they don't speak whatever language. It gives the Taiwanese people, brothers and sisters, an opportunity to tell the story in the school in Chinese. So it's a it's a altogether thing. We want the teacher in the school to be a Christian, at least one Christian in every school. It helps, yes. If there's it definitely helps if yeah. your door owner is a Christian. And if we can connect them to a church. Yeah, I was going to tell that part in just a second. Yeah, so I didn't know if Kyle had other. No, no, I was. We're pretty ask. passionate about what we do, Kyle. <laughs> Would you like to talk? <laughs> I, I was going to ask how many um, how many churches uh, do you think is connected to this ministry, as well as like how many schools do you think are connected to this ministry? Well, even uh, before I left, there were about 35 schools participating. And since I've been gone, they have just continued to add schools. And not every school does it every year. If you're in a junior high, we try to do seven. We we ask, may we come to seventh grade classrooms? Because that way, at least a junior high in a three-year period student would have heard one time the Mm -hmm. whole story. In the high schools, we ask 10th grade. Again, same idea. One time, yeah. Right. But in the elementary schools, a lot of times we're doing multiple grades at one t- at in you know in one week's mm. time, say. And so we don't maybe go to that school every year because most of those children heard it last year. So maybe three years later, they asked us to come again. Does that make sense? That makes sense. Yeah. So um Right now, I I would say they've added, well, for one thing, you know, a lot of our co-workers have moved out into the Linko area near the international yeah. school. Well, we didn't have any connection out there before. And now I know they're in four or five schools out there. 
Oh, wow. um, we have a huge group of, of schools in Inga, which is a, an area of new Taipei City, um, because we have a church planter out there who's a Taiwanese and his family, and that this is a strategic part of his church planting strategy, you know, to, to oh, wow. know, he would love to know every student in Inga, but, you know, that's, <laughs> Yeah, Taiwan's got millions of people. (laughs) One thing you can say is the harvest is plentiful. You never run out of schools. That's great. (laughs) It's not going to (laughs) happen. And now a word from our sponsor. Taiwan Missionary Fellowship is a movement of missionaries working together to reach Taiwan for the gospel through a network of mission organizations, church leaders, national gatherings, training events, and resources. For more information, go to tmf.org.tw. Are all the schools like in the Taipei or I guess greater Taipei areas like Linko, are there any that are like in Southern Taiwan? I know. Well, that's just now starting more. Now the Southern Taiwan team already has their own schools and their own um, universities. The Southern Taiwan, our Southern Taiwan team is heavily involved in universities. So they have probably not done as many elementary, junior, senior high. But we recently had one of our major door openers move from Wanli, which is also a section of New Taipei City, to Kaohsiung. And she's gone back to her home, her elementary school that she attended. (laughs) (laughs) So that door has just opened this year. And our team from mostly the greater Taipei area is going down to her school. um, Like, and see, that's more sacrifice. There you got, you got to be away from your family overnight if you do that for several days. So this will be our first time to have a team doing our the the presentation we use in Kaohsiung. Yes, there are some that do it in Taichung because they were on our team in Taipei and they moved to Taichung again for uh, international school back when you had to go to Taichung for high school. Oh, yeah. yeah. So. So it has spread itself. But the fun thing I will tell you is to watch the USA volunteers come back to America and do it here. That's cool. Several of our volunteer churches, our partnership churches have now, now they go into the USA school. They mostly go in under an organization called Good News Club. It's through uh, Child Evangelism Fellowship. Mm-hmm. And they meet weekly after school with students, with elementary, mostly students um, who learn, you know, it's a, it's a extracurricular. So the children can come if they want to, if their parents want them to, you know, and mm-hmm. they tell the stories every week. Someone made this a part of their vacation Bible school as the yes. part of their yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's really neat. So that's the other thing I was going to tell you. So there's Christmas and there's Easter. And then in the winter break or summer break, uh, we offer these schools when we have the volunteers, because it takes a lot more, um, a five session camp. We just call it a creation to Christ camp. And it's based on on five holidays. So we use Thanksgiving, 
to talk about all the things God has created. We talk about Mother's Day, Father's Day to talk about the Ten Commandments and how God gave us commandments and we disobey them and we need a Savior. We talk about Christmas and Easter, of course, again. And then we use Valentine's to talk about God's love is the greatest love you can possibly have. And we base it on the prodigal son. So these schools can get two-time presentation. They can ask for a five session. It could be five evenings, five mornings. It's during break time, you know, when the kids are on break. Uh, camp. And then we don't currently have, but we have had in the past, if the school would like to start a once a week English club, again, after school, you know, it's uh, extracurricular. And we, we, would, we have a 52-week chronological Bible story set that we will, you know, have a different Bible story every week, learn vocabulary words from the Bible story, you know. Right. Um, so, and up until now, your other question about churches, up until now, it was mostly the churches we were affiliated with or my core team. Um, I've had, and again, it's been mostly women because, and it's mostly women my age or older who have the extra time. They're not already assigned to another job necessarily. Um, so every school that has a Christian teacher, of course, goes to a church. So those are already connected. But God, again, in his sovereignty through COVID, now we've got 35 probably missionaries across northern Taiwan who all go to different churches. So now they can connect, you know, a lot more. The goal, of course, is that if a child is interested in learning more than what they learned during the presentation, they want to go to a church and they want to learn. Then, of course, the teacher in the school would point them that direction. And we want your job helping churches be healthy we want them when they arrive to a local church for it to be healthy so that student can be discipled and become a leader and you know serve yeah. the lord so is the program typically because i know you guys are mostly in public schools is the program typically received well by i mean i guess by the teachers in the school yes and sometimes no <laughs> uh, very few notes yeah. Because again, we, if you read the script, it is a historical presentation from the yeah. Bible of the history of this holiday. We do tell the, the students that, you know, because of disobedience in your life, we talk about sin and we talk about the consequences of sin and we talk about how to be restored. But of course, in the public school, we do not have an altar call or any type of invitation or, you know, uh, we just present the facts as they are presented in the Bible. And we don't, there's no bait and switch here. We, no. we tell the, the dean of students or whoever invited us, we give them the transcript before they, before they we come, they know exactly what we're going to say. Uh, so the teachers know exactly what we're going to say. Uh, and, you know, you have some teachers that are 
non-Christians that are interested. You have Christian teachers that are supportive. Yeah. And you have non-Christian teachers that are interested in hearing the story. And then for some teachers, it's a hour break. And so they, they leave the they That's leave true. the room, you know. Especially the high school, they just leave us in there with 40 <laughs> And they still know what we're saying. Yeah. It's not like we're saying anything they don't know. But but there's not very little opposition because teachers have to agree to us coming into their classroom. And they've invited yeah. us and they've seen what we're going to say. So yeah. yeah, that's true. I I knew I generally knew that the whoever invited you guys knew about the mm -hmm. script and everything. I know yes. you try to stay on script. I know. I mean, in the past, it's hard to keep volunteers always on the script. Yes. <laughs> um, Actually, if you want to know the truth, it's easier to keep the volunteers on script than it is professional pastors and missionaries on script. <laughs> yeah, I guess that would be true. Volunteers <laughs> might be nervous and the they don't want to say anything wrong. Really, <laughs> the volunteers that we have really have memorized exactly what they're supposed to say. Now, the beauty also of it is um, the translators, of course, do this hour after hour after hour with a different presenter sometimes every hour. Oh, wow. So the translators know the script very well. Yeah, backwards so and forwards. Often, sure. no matter yeah. what the English speakers might say, <laughs> they will get it back on the train track, okay? <laughs> yeah, we've watched them fix several <laughs> Because honestly, when you come from the U.S. and you're a volunteer, you arrive on jet lag. Yeah. And it is hard those first a day i mean especially if you're only going to be here really five days presenting you know those first few days you don't hardly know where you are <laughs> and and normally after your first presentation everything falls into place after that because after the first presentation and you didn't end on time you know like at easter we tell them you have to get jesus on the cross and you have to get him off the cross and before you have to get the, bell him rings. Rain, before <laughs> yeah. the bell rings yeah. That, that's the most important thing. So the first presentation, they, they don't do so well. And they, re they realize then we got to, got to move have on. Have better time management. Right. Yeah. And so, so then the next 35 presentations are, are, right. are, are much better. And, and with the cards that we use, if you've seen the cards that we stick on the wall, it, uh, you, there's very little places to go on rabbit trails. You have to keep <laughs> putting those up and moving right along. Yeah, because you know. yeah, if I remember... It's carefully crafted. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, if I remember right, I think you guys even provide like the school like vocabulary words that yes. the students can use. So yes. these are things that like even the teachers can use with like testing and things like that. Yes. So it's not just... Activity a, sheets. Yeah. Some school, Every school is a little bit different. Some schools ask us to provide homework. Oh, wow. So that the students <laughs> will have to do homework and it will be talked about the next day in class. So yeah. that's a great thing, really, if you yeah. think about it. But every school has it different. Some schools, it's not my preferred method, but some schools bring in five classes into an auditorium. Hmm. And then, of course, you would do it by PowerPoint. But you get a lot less interaction. I always encourage the, the teachers, let's don't do it that way. Because in a... In a school with 40 in a classroom, that still seems overwhelming to most Americans, but you can go up and down the aisles. You can look yeah. students in the face. 
You can ask them direct questions. You can bring them up to the front to participate, to act out the, the person you're talking about. You know, we have props, we have games, we have songs, because you do have to present a little differently to first graders in a 40 minute class. Yeah. Junior high is a 45 minute, high school is 50 mm-hmm. minutes. And when we go to the university, sometimes we have two hours. Yeah, you know, it's an say, eight to 10 program. So yeah. you really got to, you know, you get a lot more opportunity to break into small groups, talk about what you've just seen and heard. And- but the classes always remember when you nail one of their children to the cross. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. You bring, you know, Steve, let's come up here and you put him up there and spread his arms and nail him to the cross. It's very, it's very visible, very visceral and very memorable. But, but in the smaller classes, you, you can do those kinds of things, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I mean, for most part with universities and stuff that I, that I work with, I try to the teacher to at least give us an hour and a half but now at this point most of the teachers reserve us two blocks so we get about two two and a half hours which is nice right right (laughs) because the whole goal is that you can build a relationship with these students it doesn't matter even how young they are i have a school where a fourth grade student many years before I landed in Taiwan and other people were doing this before me, she heard the story. She accepted, at that time, they handed out little Gideon New Testaments. She accepted that gift. You can, you can take it if you like. We give, I'll talk about that too, what we use now. She took that little Bible and I know her now as a 30-year-old who is on her church's worship praise team. She is a art therapist, a Christian art therapist. She uses art to help people with their problems. You know, she studied that. But she remembers clearly the day that the, and she says, oh, white-haired American missionaries came to her classroom. (laughs) Wasn't me at that time, but I do fit that down. Um, came to her classroom and told her this story. And she decided in her heart that day that she wanted to follow Jesus. Now, did anyone maybe disciple her at that point in her life? Probably not. But for your sake, I will say she became a discipled follower of Christ in university. Awesome. During her university years. Yeah. So it's really just a beautiful picture of how God is completely in charge of the puzzle pieces of your life. <laughs> and he's putting them together at his time in his way. But if they never hear one time, yeah. how will they even start the journey? We yeah. know what we're doing is planting seeds <laughs> completely. Yeah. You know, some people go to the country on their mission trip and they um, do some kind of huge crusade and thousands, you know, become believers. So that, that is not what we are doing in Taiwan. We are presenting them the historical background of Christmas and Easter and the whole story, creation to Christ, 
so that if the spirit is working in their life and draws them farther down that path, I tell all my volunteers, do not come here expecting some big response, huge story that you can go home to America and brag about. This is allowing people to hear the truth <laughs> at least once in their school experience. But we, once we started doing this, we have been surprised at how many people have come to us and said, you know, I became a Christian through this process. Uh, um, I was an eighth grader. I had one that was just the best. I was an eighth grader and Malaysian nuns came to my class in Taiwan now and told the true story of Christmas. That's awesome. And I started my journey with Christ, you know, so. That's really cool. Now we do today, I was going to tell you this because I think this is pretty cool. Today, because we have thousands, I mean, some years we can have 6,000 students here at at a time, you know. Yeah. So we have to, and we want to send them home with some product that will continue their journey. Well, that's a lot. Six, <laughs> you know, that can be a lot. Yeah. Um, I mean, we have a budget, but not, not anywhere near that. So um, in the high school at Christmas time, the students get a copy of the Gospel of John. It's a booklet, you know, just a small booklet, paperback. And I give it to them in Chinese at Christmas because I want them to read in Chinese first. Yeah. It's a modern translation. Yeah. Modern Chinese translation. And then in Easter time, those same students get it, the Gospel of John in English. Okay. So that is very satisfactory to the school because we are there to be native English speakers and we want to be, you know, so that's good high school. For junior high and elementary, um, there is an app called U Version of the mm-hmm. Bible for kids and for adults. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and they make a beautiful 20 page um, animated cartoon, mm-hmm. co- colorful, yep. it's beautiful booklet, which is the whole story of creation to Christ on a, a very simple. Uh, like elementary can read it and it's still good for junior high it's got puzzles in there and games and it's got a connection to the app and you know so that is i wish they do have them in english but not in taiwan we can only get the traditional uh, version i wish i could get that in english also because i think the teachers would like that you know same yeah. principle i would give them chinese yeah. at one semester and english the second semester but I don't have that opportunity yet. So, but everybody is going home with a piece that will help them in their journey. You know, that's really neat. Yeah. I didn't know that you guys actually gave them, you know, the gospel of John or anything like that. I knew the program was all about from creation to Christ, but I did not know that you gave them the gospel of John. That's really cool. And in the camps, they get a full Bible. Oh, wow. Yeah, and we, we usually have 60 to 100 students in the camps. So that's a, that's a bigger expense, but those kids are, are spending 15 hours yeah. <laughs> um, 
know, learning, story. learning the whole story. And so we, we actually read it in the camp because again, it's an extracurricular activity. In the camp, we actually read, they read out loud from the Bible. That's our textbook for the camp. So, cool. yeah. So yeah. once, I guess once COVID calms down or whenever everything opens back up again, do you think that churches from the States will come back and start helping again? Yes. I have 30 on a waiting list ready to go at any time. They have all gotten all of their vaccinations because they know Taiwan will be one of the strictest countries in the world to try to get into. Oh, yeah. We are all on high alert. We are watching. They tell me my volunteers write weekly, you know, saying, oh, I heard this. I heard that. Do you think it might be? We're, we have groups ready to come in March and April of 2022. Will that, Taiwan be open by then? I doubt it. Yeah. But they are know. on the ready. They are ready. They are grieving that they are not there. And me too. I'm coming with them. We were. I was supposed <laughs> to be on all those 2019 and 2020. Oh, wow. <laughs> 2021. Yeah, yeah. We are ready. This will probably go more into, I guess, what y'all are doing now. Has your relationship with working with rural churches helped get more volunteers in the future possibly uh yes especially the smaller churches um when you start dealing with rural churches and you start talking about doing mission trips the first thing they say is well we can't go we can't put together a team you know our, our church is 50 people mostly old people we've only got two people who who can go and so one of the things that we've done uh, at the very beginning of this is put together multiple churches, bringing together one, two people at a time to come. We had, we had a group from Kentucky that came from a, an association, a, a countywide area of churches. And then we had a group from Montana who came from all over the state. They all gathered together and did a pre-orientation before they came and did our orientation in you know where we use people from small rural churches and um, again they were great especially uh, sending them out further out from the city uh, they could connect well with the working class they yeah. connected well with people like out in Inga and uh, Wan Lee and some of the periphery areas and uh, they're those uh, farming wives are tough ladies so that you can <laughs> send them out to hard places and, and, and they just and, fall in love with our, our national partners, our uh, translators. Yeah. And actually, you know, exit <laughs> again, I'm back to exit. I was exiting before we exited. I didn't know it, but as I got older and was carrying, it's a lot of logistics. Yeah. So it's, and it's a lot of pre-planning before they even arrive. And then when you have volunteers on the ground who are there for the first time, they're not familiar with how to ride an MRT or, or even how to find food in the evenings, you know, unless it's just McDonald's, they can sort of do that. So it was, it was a, a heavy holding. load, a lot, <laughs> yes. And then I would be in the classroom doing sometimes eight presentations a day wow. standing. And so... The translators, our, our national partners, and others, a lot of our Latino friends, Sabrina 
and mm -hmm. Hugo and Jeff does a lot of the driving of the van to get yep. people places, but you know, places they need to be. Um, so I would come in the evenings really tired. And so the translators themselves would take the volunteers to dinner or to shopping or to a night market or to see Chiang Kai-shek Memorial or whatever it was, you know, to the 101. And so, I mean, these, these American volunteers and the Taiwan brothers and sisters, I watch them on social media. They talk to each other every day. They don't even know I am alive. I mean, really, it has gone past. They have their own relationships. They, they watch each other have get married and have babies. And, you know, they're just all up in each other's business. <laughs> we'll give you an example. We have a, um, a family uh, from a smaller country church came to Taiwan. And the first year is husband, wife, and their two children, teenagers. two teenagers. And um, I thought, Mama, I don't know. This was, they were so shy and so scared. And, you know, I thought. Had never been in a big city like and, that. <laughs> but we, we got them connected with, they connected with students. Because of the teenage children. The, 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 oh, the, wow. the girl was very pretty and the, the boy's a nice looking guy. And uh, they were surrounded like movie stars, you know. And so, uh, uh, so they went home and the next year they said, we want to come back. <laughs> really <laughs> yeah it, it, but the, the next time they came back they were so at home and so comfortable and these students led them around took them to places we never saw them the first time we couldn't get them off of us you know they were so scared but the next year we never saw them and then they come back a third year and it's like do you need us to pick you up at the airport <laughs> <You know? laughs> We just give you your assignment and you go for it. We've got volunteers that come. Really, we have had them for come for two months and stay. And they and they have learned to take care of themselves. And actually, um, they have learned to take care of the newbies. You know, that. so I, so you you were I was already exiting before I was exiting. And then the Lord sent me a, a master's couple, an older couple who were not going to learn a lot of Chinese. They were there for logistics purposes who did what I had done when I arrived. They attached themselves to us and literally followed me around for two years at exactly the right time because I didn't know I was leaving after that two years. <laughs> and then they carried it after wow. I left. Well, there are other major presenters. I would say some people just come like one day you know, our personnel. And then some of them are there every day for a month. Yeah. And so right now we're not in the States. That master's couple left like you guys on a uh, holiday to see their grandchildren. And now they can't get back in. So yeah. they can't lift it. <laughs> so we have other presenters who had helped in everything. They had helped in Christmas. They had helped in, in, in Easter. They had helped in camps. They knew all of the teachers, the door openers. They know all the translators. So now they're running it. It's awesome. You know, because you do have to have somebody on the ground. Yeah. You know, you have to have somebody <laughs> contacting all these schools, setting yeah. up times. And you know how times change all the time. You know, you thought you were <laughs> going on Tuesday at eight o'clock. Now you're going on Friday at 
eight in the evening. And so do five classrooms, and they say, well, we got you in nine today. Because some more uh, wanted, some more signed up that want it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So it's been a beautiful thing. I know right now, though, this is a huge, this COVID thing has been huge. Yeah. Because our on-the-ground field workers are tired. They want to go home to see their families. Um, they're running their own ministries. They're also helping in the Christmas presentations. And like we said earlier, they're going home every night to help their kid with homework. Or maybe their kid's up all night throwing up. Yeah. And you still got to get up and be in the classroom at eight o'clock tomorrow because the school thinks you're coming. And chipper. <laughs> and chipper. Yeah, yeah I'm happy <laughs> about <nice>. it. <laughs> so it's really been um it's been hard. There's been good things that have come out of it, but it has it's hard on people, I know. And yeah. watching Taiwan. Taiwan is we have been so proud of Taiwan. But they do have very strict rules that everybody's trying to live under. And that even causes stress too. So Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think COVID has helped at least the local church in Taiwan quite a bit, just with learning how to one use technology. Older churches had no idea how to use technology. Now they know how to use technology. Mm -hmm. You can have groups if people can't meet in person, they can meet on Zoom, things like that. I think it's really helped them reach people that wouldn't normally just get out of bed and go to church early who right. can get out of bed and turn on their laptop and, right. <laughs> and at least tune in. And that's a start. You know? Right. It's a piece of the journey. Right. Yeah. Well, and I'm excited because now I'm currently living in America doing this job role. Um, but as volunteers are allowed back into Taiwan, I can do all of their pre-orientation online. Yeah. We never did that before. I would, you know, I would send them copies of scripts. I would send them recordings. If we happened to be in the U.S. at the right time, we would go there and meet with them in person. But now we we can do, I can, I can see the whole team and we can do the whole training and we can practice in front of each other. And, you know, I think they'll be much better prepared because of zoom who knew yeah. right <laughs> three years ago didn't know, I didn't know zoom thing. existed yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. pre pre-covid i definitely had no clue zoom existed right. <laughs> yeah that's awesome um is there anything else you guys want to share that i i may have missed or <laughs> i'm sure there's a lot you could but share I, know. I feel like we've been like a machine gun you know? <laughs> we do love what we do well, that's all for this week. A big thank you to Jeff and Melva Clark for waking up early to record with me. Thanks to Dale, our editor, and Nelson, our producer, and you, the listener. We couldn't do this without you. We really hope you enjoyed this week's special Christmas episode of Missionary Mindset. If you get a moment, please subscribe, rate, and review. It may not sound like much, but every little bit helps more people hear about missionaries in East Asia. If you have a question or would like to reach out, feel free to contact us at tmfccg at gmail.com. Everyone here at Missionary Mindset wants to wish you a very Merry Christmas. We hope you're able to enjoy the holiday with your family and friends, wherever you are. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>